This is Hani Naga and Natalie Hipschman, Duke Plastic Surgery residents on The Resident Review. And this is episode two of our Residency Roundtable series. So today I have Dr. Natalie Hipschman on, one of my very, very close friends and co-interns that I've had over the course of this year. Um, And we will be talking about just being an intern and and the process that this year has been and kind of all of our growth and um, just experiences over the year. Natalie, um, Natalie is currently a Duke Plastic Surgery resident, previously a graduate of Vanderbilt University uh, Medical School, and before that went to undergrad at Notre Dame. How are you doing, Natalie? <laughs> I'm great, honey. Thank you for having me. Um, thank you for that generous introduction. <laughs> I'm super excited to talk about intern year and just kind of give people a little bit of a closer look at what it's like for us here and what it's been like over the past few months here. Natalie's been on our plastics rotation recently. How's that been going? It's great. Um, I love being on Duke North is kind of what we colloquially refer to um, our plastics rotation as. It's just super fun, super busy. Uh, Really the rotation, I think that builds you up a lot um, in so many different ways. So it's been super rewarding way to end intern year. For sure. So we're recording this on June 21st and technically you're no longer an intern in like nine days. (laughs) You're no longer (laughs) an intern in nine days. So the reason I bring that up is because we're almost done with this crazy year. And I'm just wondering what were you doing one year ago before orientation? Yeah, before orientation. One year ago, um, I was moving here and kind of just getting to know the city a little bit. I had had the experience prior of moving to a brand new city. And whereas before it was wrought with a little bit of fear, I think this time it was just brought with more excitement. Um, but overall, I think I was really, really nervous <laughs> to start. I think we all were. And now I think the, that nervous energy continues, but in a different vein, just because I know how much support we have here and how, how hard everybody's worked to make this a smooth transition for us. So I, I think I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I wasn't ready then, but I think I'm ready now. What, what about you? One year ago. Yeah. I moved to Durham. Um, and I think it was, it was the end of May and spent a couple of weeks just getting to know the area. But before then, I, I don't know, the end of end of medical school is just a glorious time in one's life. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I think I was like in really good shape. I was doing all different kinds of exercise. I was cooking a lot. I was doing no research, no clinical work. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I went into interning here pretty unprepared. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, like not not really. I was also prepared because I, I don't think there's really any preparation for it. But but that's where I was. And then and then I met up with you. And I, I think that the orientation time of intern year was honestly one of the craziest times because, Mm -hmm. you know, we were hosted by our program director. We were hosted by our PGY twos. We were like, you know, we, we went out to, to meet each other. We were at each other's places. It's just the busiest social calendar I've probably ever had. Yeah, I I would agree. And I think that we all went into it with like very wide eyes. (laughs) Yeah. But the more we kind of interacted, I think the more like comfortable I got because I realized everybody else was feeling the same way that I was like, I was really nervous. I remember, um, we like met at a brewery or something. And I remember walking up and being like, Oh my God, I hope they like me. (laughs) (laughs) But now it's like, 
yeah, that was just a whirlwind. Um, every single day jam packed with things kind of preparing us, but yeah. in reality, like the, the, the most preparation you have is like everything you've done up until that point until medical school. So you walk into the hospital and I remember my like heart fluttering out of my chest, but then you, you know how to do this. Um, it's just, you know, requires a little bit of dusting off the cobwebs, so to speak. Did you feel like a superstar in a way? You know what I mean? You know, because I mean? you match and you just think you're so important. Oh, yeah. I don't know. At least I felt pretty important. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to. I think they build it up so heavily and all of the junior students like look up to you when you're matching and you're on stage opening, opening your envelope. And um, it feels like the peak. But then you, you know, you get over um, that mountain and you look and there's a taller one. And I think yeah. that. I really was feeling myself up until like July one yeah. <laughs> when I was like, okay, now it's time to, yeah. to start climbing again. That's true. Um, but you know, and not everyone matches and that's the, you know, I mean, you, you kind of take it for granted that you, at this point, we take it for granted that we match. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we're at the point of intern year where we're, we're so used to our current life that, you know, we could have not matched, yeah. which would have been an, a, a crazy turn of events and people still do it every year and reapply. And right. so just, I don't know, I guess I want to shout out the people who didn't match, you know? Yeah. And you know, there, there are so many challenges associated with this path and it's just another, you know, opportunity to take a different path towards getting to where you want to go. So absolutely small hiccups and we all have them in different contexts, but you know, best of luck to everybody applying yeah. this cycle on yeah. that note as well. And all the next cycles. Let's talk about intern year a little bit. <laughs> First day, oh, yeah. you're walking into the hospital. Yes. Take me back. What rotation were you on? What was going through your mind? Like, like what, what was the first experience like? Um, so I feel like I had two July 1sts because I started at one of our satellite hospitals, Duke Regional. And I remember showing up the day before and getting oriented to the service. Fortunately, by one of our own current PGY2s, Nick Olek. He was super helpful, very kind, walked me through everything, gave me a ton of information. Um, and funnily enough, like some of the things he told me, I still to this day do it that way because it's the way that he showed me. So I had that little bit of comfort. But on the day that I arrived on my first day of residency, I think I showed up like crazy, crazy early, like way farther in advance than I needed to. And I went in and I just remember that, like that anxious, excited, heart fluttering feeling like where, you know, I think I was like blinking away tears, not for any particular reason, except for that. I just wanted to do a really good job and I didn't know how to do that. <laughs> so, um, I walked into my workroom, you know, I got sign out from Nick Olek and he said, you're going to be okay. And I was, I was okay. I think at first it was, it was a lot. It was very overwhelming, but it, it just harkened back to how you do your sub eyes and being a medical student on the wards, you know how to do it. It's just a matter of understanding how your role has changed. Now you're the person who kind of enacts the plans as opposed to just listening to them. And that's a hard transition that I think we go through almost at every single uh, graduated year. So you know, what I, what I began to learn, um, and how I began to learn it 
at the start of intern year is what I'm going to have to do again as a PGY too. So I think overall, um, it, I made a way bigger deal about it in my head than it actually was. It's mm-hmm. just like another day. But I think that it's not to be understated how challenging the transition is from medical school to residency. That's something that I think took more than just my my first rotation even. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my second rotation, I was at Big Duke. And I kind of went through those similar things again, but more so it was just learning the lay of the hospital and the lay of the land. Yeah. What yeah. about you? Where'd you start? So I started on our nights rotation here where you cross cover a bunch of general surgery services, including vascular surgery and our surgical oncology services. Um, but one, again, one of our PGY twos, why am I calling him doctor? Um, Andres, <laughs> he is a doctor. That's true. Andres, you know, it took me, um, a couple of days before I started and oriented me, showed me how to collect sign out and how to take all the pagers, um, showed me where everything is, which obviously I forgot, um, once I actually started. <laughs> um, but so I felt, I felt adequately prepared. I knew where the workroom was and I knew how to take the pagers and I knew how to, how to like, you know, assign myself first call, which I thought was, you know, a, a great start. Yeah, that's but all you need, really. it's, it's it, yeah. Right. It's like 90% <laughs> of it. But, but I remember like the thing that I remember most about my first night is that I took the pagers. I took, I took everything that I needed to, and I was sitting there and then the chief of the surgical oncology service, who is a fellow, calls me and tells me to come to the ORs. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. And I make my way to the ORs and I have no idea where I'm going. And I spend about an hour looking for him. And then I run into him in the hallway going back to the workroom because I give up. And he's like, oh, yeah, I just needed your help transporting a patient real quick. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm so sorry. (laughs) It was honestly, I don't know. That first day is, it's really weird. It's Mm. because you're just lost the entire time and you're trying to figure it out. But the other things that I remember from my first day is just texting. I I don't know when I'm, when I don't know what I'm doing, I I text other people. Mm. So I I would ask Tori, Nick and Andres so many questions um, because there's so much lingo, so much, you know, so many things that you don't quite get exposed to as a medical student, especially when you go to a new institution. And I think that that that's basically what happened on my first night. Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't so much the like actual care of patients, you know? Yeah. It's just like, how do I, how do I do everything in this building? <laughs> yeah. I think it's underemphasized, like how you have all of the tools in your toolbox to approach the job. However, essential ones, (laughs) like how to work the EMR, how Mm -hmm. to, you know, discharge a patient, how to reconcile orders are things that nobody teaches you and you have to learn on the fly. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you might be a rock star day one, if you knew all of those things, the only real answer to figuring that out is time. That's true. That's true. Another thing was, was getting paged by nurses. So mm-hmm. my first month I was on nights, our nights rotation is notorious for you getting paged about 30 times a night. Cause you're taking care of on like average, 40. Average. Yeah. You're taking care of 40 patients. And initially I would respond to every page, even the ones that I didn't need to respond to just so that I could, you know, I, I don't know, be on top of things. Right. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like blood pressure, 
it would be a blood pressure page and I'd be like, Hey, thank you for the page. You know what I mean? And honestly, I, I think it built up some capital with people, but, yeah, sure. <laughs> but, but I remember, I remember how much extra work I was making for myself at the time, but, and how I, I kind of look back and like now on my rotations, I just operate so differently. Cause I know what matters in a way mm-hmm. that I didn't know back then. But anyway, yeah. Month one, it's a crazy month. Yeah, month one, month two. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Well, how about your first kind of patient interaction? Yeah. Um, Or just a meaningful one that you had early on? Yeah, I think um, kind of looking back, it's just like you go into a room and you just, you know, talk. You kind of know how to do it. You've developed a little bit of a style from being a med student. You get better at it as you go. Initially, I think it was very awkward being like, yo, I'm Dr. Hibschman. Hello. (laughs) It's just me. Um, But I think, you know, some of the more meaningful interactions have been when I stepped into role of provider as opposed to role of student where I had been all the time previously. I think, you know, building up the confidence to be able to talk about the plan with the patient, to be able to answer questions that the patient has about their procedure, to be able to discuss, you know, fears and concerns of the family. All of those things are not easy to do, especially from the get-go when you're kind of figuring out your own footing. But the moment that you have when you are able to do it, do it well, and the family seems very appreciative and the patient you know, thanks you or this or that. Um, I think it's just very rewarding and, and re-solidifies some of the core reasons why I pursued mm-hmm. medicine in the first place. I think every interaction that you have with a patient can be meaningful in some way and you can learn something from it um, well, as you go. How, how about <laughs> the difficult patient interactions? <laughs> difficult patient interactions, you learn something about yourself. <laughs> Um, I think that I've been exceptionally challenged in that regard because I just want to be, you know, a positive purveyor of information and provider of care. And I think when a patient is frustrated or families are frustrated or for some reason or another, the encounter is not going the way that you think that it should go or imagined it going in your head, the best thing that you could possibly do is just smile, apologize, Mm -hmm. be professional, um, and reiterate why you're there. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had people scream at me and you just have to say, I'm sorry that you're frustrated. This is my intention in doing this thing. Let me help you. We'll figure it out together. And it requires, I think, a lot of (laughs) giving of self to be able to do that. And you don't always have the energy in your tank to do that effectively or efficiently, but you, you will always be rewarded. I think for handling a situation like that with a level head, you just got to take a deep breath and, and get through it. And I don't know. What do you think? No, I completely agree. Um, I, I I've had a few difficult patient interactions, but for the most part, I, at least here in Durham, patients are really grateful, but mm-hmm. the ones that are difficult, you have to almost enter another plane of existence. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, like, I do. <laughs> like you, any sensitivities that you may personally have just need to go out the window, which is difficult to do. But again, like I, I, I'm Middle Eastern, for instance. So, so, you know, I could, at times I get sensitive. It's like when people start asking me about my name and they're like, where are you from? And like, 
I remember, I remember one instance where they were like, how old are you? And I don't know, for some reason that bothers me when, when, <laughs> when patients ask me you that. Have a youthful appearance. I guess I do. I guess I do. But I think that's, that's, I think in that, in those instances, you know, you just, again, it's, it's all about grace, even though inside you may be like, I'm old enough to be, uh, to, to be the doctor in this situation. You know what I mean? I, I, but, and, and at the same time, you have to have empathy for a person who's, nervous who thinks that maybe you're going to be involved in the surgery and you're underqualified which is a valid fear you know so you have to you have to somehow straddle that empathy and shelf whatever sensitivities you may have at the same time i think to just be the best version of yourself for mm-hmm. your patients yeah um i agree i agree i think that you summed it up really well with the word grace that's just like a really elegant way to describe it um, <laughs> and I think too, it's always helpful to just understand that a patient who comes at you for some reason or another has their reason and whether or not it's a good reason, it's a reason you have to understand that you're navigating that as well as a difficult conversation. So yeah. have some grace, you know, have some humility and just you're there at the end of the day to provide them with care, yeah. whether they want to fight you about it or not, you just have to do your job. Yeah. And Grace, at least in the interaction, maybe afterwards you can get a little, <laughs> but no, no, I, I think that, I think that again, you meet so many different kinds of people throughout residency, right? Yes. Like, and, and I actually, this is, I almost want to take the conversation in this direction. Something that surprised me about residency was just how social it was. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It is this is the most, like, it's just endless social interactions, whether, and and it's, it's social interactions on different levels, right? You have attendings that you're interacting, you have co-residents, you have co-interns, you have your seniors, you have, you have uh, the scrub techs, you have the floor nurse, you have the charge nurse, there's your medical students, there's your sub eyes, there are the patients, there are different kinds of patients, there's patients' families, there's the uh the phlebotomist there's mm-hmm. lab there's radiology that you're calling <laughs> okay. i know I'm, there's so many people there's so, many, so people. many people there's so many people that you're talking to all the time how do you i, I don't know i almost feel in some ways that you have to develop yourself as a conversationalist and a communicator to be able to function in this job because you know the way that i talk to my co-residents is very different than the way that i talk to my patients is very different than the way that i talk to my attendings and i think it's all you know within reasonable bounds of my stylistic choices however being able to socially adapt in each of those given situations has been an absolute benefit did i start out that way no, <laughs> but you kind of, you're a sponge, right? Like I hate that saying, but it's true. I feel like I've um, absorbed all of these interactions that I see my seniors and my co-residents having with each of these individual teams. Um, and I'm able to take some of that and use it uh, to the benefit of, of, of positive communication. So mm-hmm. I think you just have to over communicate, but I would say a major part of the beginning half of your year is just learning how to communicate effectively, efficiently, Mm -hmm. uh, efficiently, professionally, and in your own style. Yeah, absolutely. I have a question. Okay. (laughs) So Nicholas Hipschman. Oh, wow. He's a great friend of mine, (laughs) Natalie's husband. So after a full day of talking to everyone all day, 
yeah. for many hours. Oh gosh. Do you go home? What do you guys, what do you guys, do you guys talk about your day? Do you guys talk about like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> I think it depends on the day that we both had. <laughs> he will always ask me about my day and I, I'll just tell him, you know, you don't want to know. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, it was great. You know, I talked to so-and-so and did this. I think it just depends on, on my mood at the end of the day. One thing that's really helpful for me is uh, I use my little bit of a commute to kind of decompress um, so that when I come home, I can already kind of run through the events of the day in my head um, and able to kind of taper or to uh, um, tailor <laughs> what I'll tell my husband at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I asked him about his day. I think we have pretty normal conversations yeah, <laughs> most of the time. Fair. But He's a pretty normal guy. He's a pretty normal guy who, who married a okayly normal <laughs> <life>. <laughs> how about you uh you know your your significant others in medicine as well like yeah. how do you guys converse about your day-to-day is it too much to get home and talk about the hospital how do you kind of process with your relationship you know uh oftentimes we do talk about work i think that it allows us to decompress because you know part of decompressing is talking about kind of all these emotionally charged experiences Mm -hmm. with someone that, you know, you value their, their experience, you value their thoughts. So I think that inevitably we do talk about work, Um, but sometimes it it gets a bit much right. Where, where you don't, you don't really kind of want to come back from work and talk about more (laughs) work. It's just, it is exhausting. And it just, again, overly communicate, you know, you have to, we oftentimes have to figure out that balance with each other and not be sensitive when the other person doesn't really want to hear it. Right. (laughs) Right. You know, and then you're just like, honestly, I I get it. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. Me complaining to you right now doesn't really do anything. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, uh, um, kind of on this note as well, one thing that I've found is that I have to be exceptionally intentional (laughs) when I get home after a hard day in communicating with my spouse, just because you, you go through so much and so, so many things are jumbled around in your head. I think it's hard to be a good listener at the end of the day, because you've been a good listener all day long and to do it at home. is like exhausting too. Um, so I think just kind of reminding myself, like he hasn't had all these conversations all day long with challenging or not mm-hmm. challenging people and so uh kind mm-hmm. of adjusting and tailoring to where he's been all day has been helpful too and my mm-hmm. ability to to communicate openly effectively yeah all of those things with my with my husband yeah we got pretty deep there so i was thinking we could go <laughs> a little bit more superficial yeah, 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 you know yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah as yeah. a breather Hello, um, scarpas come up to the dermis <laughs> and speaking of scarpas <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can get into the OR. Oh, okay. so what's the OR been like for you as an intern? Now that you know you now you have to learn surgery because you're going to end up doing it with the rest of for the rest yeah. of your life. Yeah, you know it's interesting just because I'm the most junior member of the team at any given time. But mm-hmm. and this is going to sound super cliche, but for me the OR is like absolute sanctuary. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's the goal, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's the pinnacle of of your specialty is hands-on operative time. And I've been overwhelmed and shocked by how much time we truly get as interns in the OR. Mm -hmm. We just logged our cases and it's way, way higher than I thought it was ever going to be. And it's meaningful case time. It's not Mm -hmm. just 
you know, ditzels and whatever mm-hmm. all the time. It's uh, sometimes uh, more involved and you get to push yourself and you get to build relationships with your seniors and have them understand mm-hmm. where your abilities lie so mm-hmm. that you get your graduated autonomy, even on the micro level, kind mm-hmm. of individual to individual. Mm-hmm. Um, I love being in the OR. I think it, it always puts me in, in a good mood just to kind of scrub in have a routine, mm-hmm. even if I'm just snip and suture mm-hmm. part of the team. Mm-hmm. And I really love that. It's been great. And I think that it has, um, you know, put the appropriate amount of pressure on, on my shoulders, I think, mm-hmm. to continue to motivate me to be safe, conscientious and yeah. do a really good job. Because yeah at the end of the day, like operating is fun, but operating is performing a procedure that the patient needs for the illness that they have. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of camaraderie and um, teamwork and all these things in the OR that is so excellent. And I think that we sometimes, um, you know, have to take pause and remind ourselves why we're all there. So yeah. I love everything about the OR. I love the way the OR smells. I love the Bovie. I love the OR staff. I just freaking love the OR. So uh, I've been super pleased with with my experience thus far. What about you? Oh, I mean, we're surgery residents after <laughs> all, right? Like we love operating. I think that, I think it's been remarkable how much I've improved yeah. over the course of one year, you know? Like I remember at the beginning of the year, well, what was surreal was one of my first cases was actually with a general surgeon here. Um, and we did a lipoma removal. Mm-hmm. And I remember I hadn't been in the OR in maybe eight months or nine months because, you know, just the end of medical school. And I scrubbed a case with her and I was a plastics resident, you know. And so she took the lipoma out and then she was like, okay, you got this? <laughs> I was like, Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I haven't touched any of these instruments in many, 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 many months. And I have no supervision. What is going on? Just say yes. (laughs) (laughs) What is going on? Now, again, I didn't feel unsafe doing it. It's a a closure after all, right? Sure. But it was a surreal experience. And then from there, I was just, I I don't know. (laughs) Do you ever wonder kind of what distance of, of incision you've closed over the course of your, like how many, like, hundreds of meters of like skin (laughs) (laughs) i don't know but i'm gonna start keeping track (laughs) because the reason i say that is because you know at this point at at the beginning of the year for instance i had trouble throwing scarpa stitches right like i i I didn't know how deep to go on that when i was closing the deep donor site Uh and now that's just second nature right i i I, scarpas is like my favorite stitch i love identifying it (laughs) You know, <laughs> and it actually is. Mine are deep thermals. I love them. Really? <laughs> yeah, I do. Oh my god, we're such nerds. But <laughs> but anyway, it's it's the the comfort level with with the OR and just having all these reps. I think that it's crazy to think at the beginning of the year. You know, like I was trembling, throwing like doing my sub cue because it's I was just so out of practice. Yeah. But I, I I mean, yeah, being in the OR is is absolutely wonderful. It can be exhausting at times. Yeah. And I have a little bit of a hot take. I almost think that, you know, your sub eye never really ends, right? <laughs> like at this point, you know, on your sub eye, you're, 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 you're performing at kind of peak levels. Like, yeah, in residency, you don't have to perform at peak levels all the time, but you're learning your craft, right? And yeah. how hard do you try to understand things? How, um, how present you are all the time, like the amount of energy that you put in 
especially in the rotations that that really really matter for your training yeah. it, it really matters i yeah. think that it you know you get a lot better when you're very intentional about it in the same way that i felt like i was on my sub eyes i was just trying to absorb as much information as possible and i think that that's carried on throughout the year yeah yeah i would tend to agree and like functionally uh, what is a sub i it's a sub internship it's an acting internship just drop the acting drop the sub you're in your freaking internship <laughs> but um i think that uh that that kind of speaks to like the importance of developing a good work ethic in medical school in internship and beyond i think that this year is unique in that you you really have to i think advocate for your opportunities interoperatively mm -hmm. because as a you know pgy so so forth beyond um it's kind of expected that you will be there mm -hmm. and do the parts of the operation that are level appropriate i think one of the special things about intern years you can kind of push yourself mm -hmm. um to be in 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 those uh you know, the PGY2 level part of the operation, watch yourself improve and prove yourself. And so I think that that is kind of unique and special. I kind of agree with you. Like it, it never stops, right? Mm -hmm. At every level you're doing, you know, the grind again, just yeah. at, a, at, at the next step up. So I think that we have really good foundations mm -hmm. coming from good medical schools but then also just like being here and like mm -hmm. doing the grind of mm -hmm. duke surgery and duke plastic surgery year yeah. one <laughs> absolutely and you just reminded me of uh during my interviews with I, I think that one of my interview questions was what do you think a good team is kind of like how do you fit into a good team how does a good team operate and i think that one of it was kind of one of the things that i answered was about kind of starring in your role hmm. So like as interns, I mean, we have to first and foremost do our intern tasks, right? Have like control over, over the floors, make sure that all the consents and, and like at this point as well, like I don't mind doing kind of the, the, the menial task. Like if the PGY2 wants to get into OR, I'm getting the consents done. I'm, we're changing wound vacs. We're doing whatever is needed yeah. so that the rest of the team has kind of the bandwidth to, 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 the bandwidth and time to get to the OR yeah. to plan for their cases and do everything. And then in doing so, you also build the capital that when you go into the OR, they're like, hey, okay, everything's <laughs> awesome on the floor. Let's get you in here and let's yeah. get let's 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 get you running. You know yep. what I mean? So I think that a big part of it is is team building, is working as a functional team and kind of I, I don't know. I think that the intern is the glue of the team um the chief is is also i think everyone's glue in a way you know what i mean but you kind of make sure that there's no disasters that everyone else has to deal with because quite frankly you know if you're kind of lazy that that can be the case yeah i agree i agree and not to go back to the suturing analogy <laughs> <laughs> but the interns scarf those stitches right like yeah. if you don't have the base layer closed it's really challenging to get those additional stitches in so i i agree like the the intern um you just have to be super flexible mm -hmm. super willing to do anything that the team needs and anything that the patient needs i think that you are kind of a miscellaneous resident in that whatever else you know all indicated procedures is your job <laughs> yeah your job description um but i i like that i like what you said and i think i might have answered something similar about the in terms of teams knowing your role mm -hmm. knowing your role and i think not just knowing your role but mm -hmm. 
adapting to what your role is in different contexts. Mm -hmm. And I think that now that we're towards the end of intern year, sometimes that includes like PG2 style tasks, like you're saying the consents and this and that and holding the consult pager, um, operating more in between being efficient, uh, mm -hmm. you kind of expand mm -hmm. what that means. But I think knowing your role is a hard thing to do when you first start out. But once you have a, a good framework for it, that concept will serve you now and beyond into, I think, even your senior years. And, and when did it all kind of start to click for you? Uh, um, I think it's a hard question because I don't think that I woke up one day and was like, I, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was more of a, of a gradual thing where, you know, the, the tasks that I used to balk at, mm -hmm. you know, months one and two kind of became part of my routine. Even like, I remember being on nights, the rotation you mentioned, where you just carry like a bunch of patients, the task of seeing all the primaries mm -hmm. daunted me. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Are you kidding? Mm -hmm. uh, but then it becomes part of your routine because it's, if, if you at baseline train yourself to check all of the boxes for safety purposes, for quality purposes, for, you know, the purpose of, of getting the, the, the care to the mm -hmm. patient, then you will be excellent. And I think I had a coach in high school who would always say, uh, it's not just practice that makes perfect. It's perfect practice that makes perfect. Mm. You can't just, you know, like half a something on the floor and expect to perform at a hundred percent when somebody's watching you, you have to perform at a hundred percent on the floor so that it's a consistent baseline for you. Mm -hmm. And I think that that had been kind of helpful in, in becoming a person who's like got it under control. Wise words. Wise words. Wise words for sure. <laughs> All right. So we went kind of superficial a little bit. Let's get deep again. Ooh. <laughs> when did your kind of intern year blues start to, oh, start to come in? Um, I think it's a little waxing and waning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that you, you, you get kind of the fatigue slump where you're like, I can do anything for four weeks as a medical student now becomes, I must do anything for a whole year as a resident. Um, I think I started to get fatigued around like month four or so, mm -hmm. um, you know, into months five and six, but was refueled a little bit by being on Duke North and finally being a plastics resident. But I would say for me, like the hard full speed ahead, hit a brick wall, come to a halt was around month, like eight or nine. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's a challenging thing, what we do and to do it every single day, six days a week on average, 365 days a year is just challenging mm -hmm. it challenges the bounds of a normal human form's limitations yeah. <laughs> and i think that you know you get to this point where you know what's going on you kind of got it you kind of wish that you were doing the next level up but you're also kind of tired all of your friends are kind of doing other things that are non-medically related and I think that there are equal physical and mental challenges that are associated with being here and doing this thing that takes you away from the life of a normal human because you kind of give that up when you come to residency. 
I think I knew that as a medical student to an extent, but it was in month eight of intern year (laughs) (laughs) when I truly understood what it really meant. And I'm sure that that realization will orbit and circle back and show itself to me in different lights. (laughs) But it's it's fun. You know, you, you, you lean on the support system that you build and, you know, like I, I relied heavily on you, Hannie, for support during that time and other members of my team and my husband and my friends at other institutions. And I think it was helpful to know that everybody was kind of going through the same thing, um, you know, in a staggered fashion over the second half of intern year. Mm-hmm. And it also, you know, helps to talk to your seniors because it, it gets better. And I think that um, the challenges you begin to face are different, but more in line with what you signed up for and what you came here to do ultimately. Yeah. What about you? I'd say pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Probably about, <laughs> I remember month. So I had a, I had a front loaded schedule. So month six. Mm-hmm. was I don't know I was I was fading I was fading fast <laughs> <laughs> I was saved by my anesthesia rotation oh, <laughs> but I was starting to you know you wake up in the morning and you still you still get out of bed but it's like you know you're not I don't know before I, I I'd be motivated to like I don't know get a little bit of movement in maybe make my food take take some snacks I was just getting up and going to work <laughs> And part you, of you really stays in bed too. <laughs> part of you really stays in bed. My whole day is an out-of-body yeah. experience. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there's there's something to be said about capitalizing on your breaks, and but not even just capitalizing. I think there's a lot of pressure on people where they're like, ah, oh, I need to have my vacation planned out so that it's maximally enjoyable. <laughs> and I don't know. I'm not like that. I I I I think that it's really good to schedule, you know, like really enjoyable vacations, but the time it takes to kind of just recover mentally and just, you know, just be at home and just get back in exercise and watch some Netflix, cook a couple of meals for yourself, just sit down and think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that that is very restorative because in medicine, we can be so such, I don't know, type A personalities where you're always trying to get stuff done no matter what. <laughs> and it's, it feels strange to not do it. And it feels honestly dangerous. It feels yeah. like you shouldn't, it feels yeah. like you should be getting stuff done, but I almost, I felt the most growth when I allowed myself to calm down a little bit. Yeah. If you have ever double speeded Netflix, this talk is for you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't double speed your life. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> um, I agree. 100%. Like, you know, you said, allocate time to think allocate time to not think as well because you think pretty hard (laughs) every day um i agree completely i think that self-care has taken a different uh, explanation for me or a different definition uh during residency because you're not just you know it's not like treat yourself it's like Mm -hmm. no my my body needs rest my mind needs rest Um, you need to introspect to a certain degree to process what you go through because sometimes, you know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows in your work day. And I think that in order to be functional, you just got to keep going, but it's challenging to really take the appropriate amount of time to decompress from some of these things that occur on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, we just keep agreeing with each other, but 
you know, maybe I should like think of more conversation topics where we're just at odds. <laughs> Shall kind we debate? A, a debate residency round table, residency <laughs> debate episode. But yeah, so let's pivot to, yeah. to our next topic, okay. which is something that I think about often. You know, we're here, we're at Duke. Some people are at other programs. You're there for an allocated period of time. How do you plan to maximize your time during residency? I think that that's a really interesting question. <laughs> uh, I think mostly just doing the basics correctly. You know, uh, one of our, our residents was operating with Dr. George Aid recently and pointed out he's a, he's a fast, efficient surgeon. And she said, you're so fast. Like how? And he said, I don't try to be, I just try to be correct. And I think that I like that sentiment a lot because if you just do the basics correctly and the basics, meaning, you know, meeting your baseline standard of excellence, which will adapt as residency goes on. But if you do that, then you will pave the way for yourself to um, take on additional things as you graduate in your training. So, you know, involving yourself more in research projects or, um, uh, QI projects or patient education, other things, you know, related to your professional career. I think that we have ample opportunities here, ample support and really good examples of success in mm -hmm. our own residency. So mm -hmm. I think I plan to absolutely maximize, um, some of those resources. I don't know what that's going to look for, look like for me right now, but, mm -hmm. uh, I feel very reassured and hopeful that, all of those things will come. All of those, you know, CV style preparation things um, that we all like to get involved in. But yeah. additionally, just kind of really parsing apart my own interests of exploration. I think in medical school, you get your feet wet, but now I'm like ready to wade into the pool of knowledge oh that <laughs> exists in plastics uh, research. So I'm excited about that part. Um, but I think additionally, just, uh, uh, capitalizing on, um, you know, my, where I live, my city, really getting to know Durham. I think that that's part of the experience too. We talked about, you know, spending your time in between and, mm -hmm. and taking time for self. Uh, I think I, in doing that, I also take time for my family and it's important for us to feel at home in this city. And so capitalizing on that, um, uh, social, more social part of being at Duke, uh, has been really beneficial and fruitful. I feel like I've formed a lot of relationships with people of other subspecialties too, and building my whole Duke family looks way different than I thought it would, but in a really positive light. So I don't know, I feel like I'm going to keep doing those things and, uh, look for opportunities as well as take on the ones that knock for me. How about you? I think I, I share some of the sentiments. I think that the way that I think about it is I want to obviously first and foremost, learn how to take care of patients properly. Yeah. That is the point of residency. Right? right. And what I mean by that is, you know, how to operate efficiently, but how to make operative decisions as well. Um, so, I mean, that is the goal of residency in, in a way that is the bare minimum. And I almost feel like, you know, it's kind of dumb for me to say it because it should be the goal and I plan for it to be the primary goal, but kind of uh, on top of that, I think that what I hope to do is explore what this place has to offer in a way, right? Like 
as you said, when it comes to, for instance, what we're doing right now, yeah, you know, this, yeah. this, we have a platform because of our co-residents and what they started over here. And it was like the, the opportunity was presented during a meeting two months ago. They're just asking what we, what we thought would be cool to add to the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know, maybe me and my friends talking about <laughs> talking about life Talk about life. would be would be really cool and so I think that part of it part of what my plan for residency has been is to see what I enjoy doing outside of the clinical stuff you know what I mean yeah. whether that's research and I, you know I'm getting involved with that and so like I just like at the end of the day you know you, you want to do the things that drive you yeah. in your career and I won't know what drives me until I, I pass through some obstacles, including, you know, getting more comfortable with the research process, getting more comfortable with recording these podcasts and yeah. preparing them. And thing is, is the, the, the only thing is, is that all of that is just more work, yeah. right? And we're already working a lot. So figuring <laughs> out that balance, I have yes. to say, has been difficult. Um, but I think that's, I, I don't know if there are any medical students listening, but that's something that you should think about, about where you go to residency as well. Like, if you want to do a lot of research, you should go somewhere that kind of allows you to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas if you really don't care for it and you want to be in the OR as much as possible, that's also something you should think about. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Yeah. Surprise. Surprise, I agree. surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like we're starting to kind of reach a natural conclusion of this conversation. You know, I yeah. feel like I feel like we've really unpacked a little bit of our feelings about this. We could probably talk about this for hours and hours and hours. We probably will like this weekend or something. (laughs) (laughs) The continuation of the saga, but you have any kind of final thoughts? Yeah. I think just overall this year has been very uh, challenging, but in a good way, you know, it's shown me a lot about myself, my abilities, um, but as uh, additionally, like about mm-hmm. the abilities of my teams and my patients. And I, I think I have a greater appreciation for, um, mm-hmm. you know, how, how hard that this yeah. is. <laughs> I think one of the ortho residents told me this the other day, who is it? Is that a Mark or Brian? But they're like, intern year is the most fun I never want to have again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And on that note, <laughs> thank you for listening to me and Natalie talk about our lives for an hour or maybe <laughs> under an hour. Um, this is really enjoyable. I hope that you enjoy this and um, stay tuned for our next episode with our PGY2s. Well, PGY3s. PGY3s. <laughs> Thanks, Sadie. As a plastic surgeon with a unique vision for each patient, The more options you have at your fingertips, the better. Natrell is one of the portfolios available to you. To learn more, visit natrellsurgeon.com.